We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, my guest is Scott Beebe, and I hope you are excited for this. We are going to talk about building a vision and mission and value statement for your school. And it is awesome. We're going to learn some great stuff in here and talk about how to create those things. It's going to be great. With summer coming up, we principals have a unique opportunity to get a lot of work done with no students and few teachers. If you want to learn a goal-setting program that makes your goals come to life, go to transformativeprincipal.org and sign up for the email newsletter and get my goal-setting framework that helps me accomplish a lot in a little bit of time. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am very excited to have Scott Beebe on the podcast today. Scott is a business coach, but he does a lot of cool things relating to mission, vision, and values and putting systems in place to help leaders be more effective. And so I think he's going to add a lot of really good benefit to our audience and to help us understand how we can improve the schools that we are currently leading. So Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to add about yourself before we get right in? I just think it's the coolest thing, Jethro, that you and I could virtually be no farther apart on the on the on the continent of North America. I'm down here on the East Coast or the Southeast Coast of South Carolina, and uh, you're up there in Kodiak, Alaska. And I just think it's the coolest thing. So, no, thank you for having me on. Yeah, well, it is very cool that we can do this. And uh, one of my worries when I moved up to Alaska was that things like this would be more difficult to do, and they have actually 
it's turned out that they're better because it's early in the morning for me and it's almost lunchtime for you. So that works out pretty good. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I thought was interesting in, in reading your bio and learning more about who you are is that you went to the Southwestern Theological Seminary. And would you talk a little bit about how being a pastor is like being a leader and some of the parallels there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that they're kind of one and the same. And, and really, fundamentally, Jethro, any head, any leader of an organization are going to have baseline principles. You know, it's just like the human body. You and I could be very different. I've got dear friends in Nigeria. We spent a lot of time together. And, and they're very different culturally, uh, even structural makeup to some extent. It's just different. And yet we still have similar underlying principles in the systems of the human body and how they work. Well, it's no different with the, you know, the head of a pharmaceutical company versus the head of a church versus the head of a non-governmental organization versus the head of a school. You could take all of those organizational leaders and there's going to be underlying principles that are fundamental to each one of the leadership capability or the leadership suite of the particular leader of the organization. So it, it is absolutely, the, the similarities are common across what I would classify as industry, even though most people would not consider, you know, quote, church as an industry. But if you segment it as such, then you could certainly say what is good for this group of people. Now, stylistically and communication, it may, it may differ. That may look a little, a little different depending on the industry, but the underlying principles uh, that's really what I try to get to the heart at. It's as if the communication is more like behavior of a child. You can alter that, but at the end of the day, Jethro, does it really alter the heart? And that's what we want to get after, whether we're working with small business owners, working with pastors, working with school leaders. We want to get to the heart of those fundamental principles of leadership because once we can begin to alter those, that changes the DNA, changes the course. Because when you hear about behavioral change, I might read the latest article of something that's, you know, the city of such and such has gone through this radical transformation. And yet in a year, it's kind of right back to where it was. What that was was a behavioral change. It wasn't a core fundamental change. And that's what we really like to get to. And so that's really the commonality between, rather than pulling out, this is similar and this is similar, the fundamental Operating principles of leadership are similar from pastoring to leading a school to leading a, you know, a large multinational corporation. Uh, if we can get to those core fundamentals, if it's just behavior modification, then we're not going to, you know, really make a whole lot of impact. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've noticed is that if we, when we're working with students, if we just want to change their behavior, we're really missing the point. And what we really want to do is change who they are and make them their best version of themselves. If if you go back and listen to the interview that I did with Chris Weger, he really talks about implementing behavior systems at school that will help kids do the right things for the right reasons, not for external motivations or things like that. And really, as we start transitioning this conversation to mission, vision, and values, that is really what we're trying to get. We want to find out what the the driving forces in us and use that to help us make our schools the best places they can be. So one of the things that we really stink at, in my opinion, in education in general is mission, vision, and values as a whole. We all went into teaching because of what our mission is to help kids learn and be their best selves. 
And somehow that always seems to get muddled with going through the process of writing a mission statement. Can you talk a little bit about why mission, vision, and values is so important? And feel free to break those up into their different parts also. Why they're so important and why we need to pay attention to that. No doubt. And so these are the fundamentals. Uh, If you get down to it, you know, if you're playing football, this is the blocking and tackling of football. And so leadership within schools, the vision, the mission, and the values are blocking and tackling. These are fundamental in terms of decision-making. So I literally guide and coach leaders to make day-to-day, month-to-month, annual decisions based on their vision and mission and core value set. And I'll give you some anecdotal examples here in a bit. But fundamentally, what are those things? Um, Well, the vision story is actually quite different than a mission statement. Complementary, nonetheless, but but still a little bit different. And the vision and the mission are still a little bit different from the values, although they all build on each other. So let me see if I can explain it just a little bit. First, the vision story. A lot of us have heard a vision statement or a mission statement. I actually don't subscribe to the vision statement. I, I subscribe to what I classify as a vision story. And here's what I mean by that. I've never been to Kodiak, uh, where you live. But you could tell me, hey, Scott, we're going to hop in a car, a boat, or plane, and we're going to go to Kodiak. And I would go, okay, that sounds great. I kind of think I know what it might look like just simply because of geographically where it's located, but I'm not quite sure. And so, but all you've told me is a vision statement. We're going to Kodiak. That's where, that's the destination because that's what vision is. It's the ultimate destination of where you see your organization, your life, your business, whatever going in the X number of years. And so you tell me we're going to Kodiak. That's the vision statement. But I've got nothing else to to work from, so I kind of fill in the the vacuum with my own concepts. So if a school comes up with a vision statement that we want to create great kids, you know, just in its simplest form, we see great kids. Okay, what constitutes a great kid? What does a great kid look like? What sort of things might it take to get to a great kid? So that's why I subscribe to a vision story. Because what I would tell you is, hey, instead of just telling me we're going to Kodiak, and this is, in fact, I'll put you on the spot, Jethro. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Kodiak? Great question. I appreciate you doing this because I actually wanted to say, oh, Kodiak's a lot more than that. So there are a couple of different ways to look at this also. You can talk about the journey here, which you probably didn't even know is a story in and of itself. Because we live on an island, people who move here, everybody has a story about how they actually made the move up here. And everybody's is fantastic and everybody's is full of drama and intrigue. And just getting here, especially from South Carolina, would be a big deal. And so those kinds of things are exciting. But then when you think about Kodiak itself, what's what's it going to be like when you're here? It's a beautiful day with the sun shining for right now, I think we're at 13 hours During the day, if you come a little bit later, you're going to have the sun all day long and you'll find that the sun energizes you and makes you have energy to stay out so that you'll be out doing something outside and it'll be 1030, 11 o'clock at night and you'll be hungry and you won't understand why because you've got so much energy and you're not tired yet. And then you realize that it's 1030 at night and the sun's still shining and (laughs) you're still excited about doing whatever it is that you're doing. As you're here, you're going to be engaged in fun activities like fishing, ATVing, and hiking, camping. You can do all those things here. And then if you're really lucky, you're going to get to see a Kodiak bear, which is the biggest land bear in the world. Only one that's bigger is the polar bear. And uh, 
it's gigantic. And one time that I saw one, it was crossing the street on all fours and its back was higher than the front of a Ford Econoline van. And it was on all fours. So if you can just imagine how big that would be when it stands up. Those are some of the stories that you would experience if you came here to Kodiak. So you've given us detail about the area. You've talked to us about the kind of the, the spirit of the place. You've talked to us about some physical features in terms of, of the, uh, the environment. You've talked to us about actual, you know, you've personified both animals and geography and landscape and all that. So you've given us a much deeper dive into this destination that you've called us to. So now when you say, let's go to Kodiak, all of a sudden, I've got a completely different perspective on that. Well, that's what happens when we develop a vision story. We take these categories, say personnel, service, finances, and we start to lay out the details of what these things look like so that other people can leverage it to tell their own story and decide, frankly, Jethro, do I want to get in that car that's going to that place that you just described or do I not? And so it goes back to what Jim's, Jim Collins said, get the right people on the bus, get the wrong people off the bus, and then the ones that are on the bus, get them in the right seats. If I may just interrupt real quick right there, the the real power in that is that once you have a vision story, it's okay for people to say, that's not what I'm looking for. That's right. And that is that piece there is what I think really makes a vision story so much more powerful than a vision statement. Apologize for interrupting you, but go on. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a good highlight for that because it, it, it is okay for people to say, no, that's not really my bag. In fact, it helps you because the people you want to lead are people who want to go where you're wanting to take the ship. The problem is most leaders don't know ultimately where they're taking the ship. I had a conversation earlier this week with the founder and president of a really interesting uh, company. And this company right now is a, it's got somewhere around about two to 300 clients uh, that they're working with. I mean, it, it's really amazing. The trajectory of this company has been off the charts. It's been, it's been quite amazing. And there's some parallel to actually to school in, in this story. Well, the business model continues to grow. Their product and service continues to grow. It's, it's more of a, a consultative service that they do. Well, it is growing so fast that they are actually having to bring on other uh, instructors to help deliver the, the, the product in these small group kind of setups uh, around the country. Well, literally around the world. And I asked the question, I said, uh, you know, cause I, one of the reasons they called me to see if they want, if I wanted to add this to my portfolio to start coaching people like this as a part of my business. And I said, well, uh, you know, question I have is, do I fit your mission and your core value set? Have you run me through the filtration system? He's like, well, we don't have that. (laughs) Well, how do you know if I'm the right, how do I know if I'm the right person for what you're asking me to do? I don't really know what you value. And frankly, I don't know where you're going from a destination standpoint. And so think about this for school leaders. When you're hiring people right now, you're kind of hiring on a whim. And I don't mean that as any offense at all, but it's just true because you're hiring people And frankly, they don't know where they're going because usually you don't know where you're going, or at least you haven't articulated that. And so that vision story, there's a powerful, powerful statement. Um, See, vision is not a novel thing. This isn't something that Harvard Business Review just kind of concocted a couple of decades ago. Vision is age old. In fact, depending on your theological bent, for me, I'm very much of the thought that God created this world. And in that creation, he had to have vision because there, there was nothing but expanse before this. And so he had this vision, created this world, and now you get to live on a beautiful island off the coast of Alaska 
I get to live uh, just inshore from a beautiful island off the coast of South Carolina, and God dreamed this whole thing up. And so there was a vision at the outset, and then it goes through all of these, uh, this Jewish ancestry where God gave vision to these different people. We even have an entire nation state today, the nation of Israel, that came out of a vision that was given to Abraham thousands of years ago. That's how powerful vision is. And so uh, it, it's, it's so powerful that God ended up telling a Jewish prophet named Habakkuk, write the vision down so that those who read it may run. And so an action step right away for any principal is to take what they see their school, they want their school to be in the next five years or three years or 10 years or whatever, write it down on a sheet of paper and begin to share that with teachers, with PTA, with all of these people to say, hey, this is where we're going as a school. Because you may get teachers that go, I don't want to go there. I'm not interested in that. And they make it real clear. This is, you're not mad at them. They're not mad at you. It's just not a motivational fit for them. But you won't know that until you've got that vision statement clarified out so that other people can see it. And with your vision, you're telling people a story of where you're going so that they can make a determination of whether or not they want to get on the train or not. Yeah, that that is so valuable. One of the things that I've started doing is, and if you sign up for the newsletter at transformativeprinciple.org, you'll get the questions that I ask people when I hire them. But also what I've started doing is a letter to people that I want to interview. And what I do in that letter is I list three things that are super important to us at the middle school and what that will look like and when they're here. And the feedback that I've gotten from people who have read that letter, and I didn't realize that I was doing a vision story, Scott, even though I've heard you talk about it before, but now that you put it in that perspective, I know that I am. But I have a copy of that letter and the feedback I've gotten from that is just incredibly powerful. And people call me up and say, yeah, can I come work for you? (laughs) And I don't have to do anything. And that's happened multiple times just in the last uh, few weeks as I've been hiring people for the next school year. So that is very powerful. I'm going to go back and refine that and and update that as well so that I do a better job because right now I'm just, I'm explaining some things, but I want to make it really paint a picture, which I think is an important part of creating a vision story. No doubt. In fact, let me give you a great example. If you just Google, anybody can do this, Google Jeff Bezos 1997 shareholder letter. Jeff Bezos, uh, founder uh, head of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, 1997 shareholder letter. That will give you the template for how to bake vision into the most mundane, boring piece of paper you can imagine in a shareholder letter. Who reads those, right? Top to bottom, yeah. except the real nerdy analyst on Wall Street. But outside of that, none of us read those things. It is one of the most compelling pieces of vision I've ever seen. And it gives you a great example of how to embed vision. And remember, when you read it, he wrote it in 1997, almost 20 years ago from the time of this recording. And you will be, you, your mind will be blown as to where Amazon is today versus what you read in that shareholder letter. It is, I mean, it is, uh, it's eerie how close, uh, how closely tied the modern day Amazon is to that letter that was written in 1997. Yeah. And he uh, only puts in goals for 1998. He doesn't talk about where we're going to be in 2016. Right. And that's pretty cool. So he does address long-term goals, but he doesn't say this is what we're going to do in 20 years exactly but he it aligns very closely to that that's that's pretty cool thank you for sharing that yeah yeah i'm going to pause for just a minute here and talk about how you can help support the podcast 
Thank you so much for listening. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon, and that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more will get the Transformative Principle Members Only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you. And I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn. And I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org. And on the right-hand side, there will be a little button that says become a patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. So let's talk a little bit about a mission statement and how that differs from the vision story and and how we can use that. Absolutely. And so I want to be real clear about the mission statement. This is not just some punchy, catchy, something that's, that's there to sound really good. This needs to be meaningful. People need to be able to bite into this and get substance out of it. And so basically, once you've got your vision story written, now what I usually have people do is go through their vision story, and you can do this, Jethro, with your letter, and highlight key adjectives, key action statements, words, phraseology in there. You know, for instance, you might have in your letter, uh, you know, we want to motivate so-and-so. Well, then you'd go highlight that word motivation. You'd highlight whoever that person is. You know, maybe teachers. That's a, that's a real, obviously, hopefully, very important to you. And so you take, and, and there's really no rule for it. You just walk through your letter and go, yeah, that's, you know, that really captures an essence of who I am. Uh, I like that word. I like that word. And by the time you're done, you'll have 30, 40, 50 keywords to be able to use as a word bank and then distill those down into a mission statement. So what is a mission statement? If a vision story is this detailed snapshot, this picture of what you want the future to look like when you're done with it, the mission statement is really what's going to drive you to get out of bed every morning. And so it's the vision story in miniature and and, and encapsulates. So if the vision is the destination, your mission statement is the vehicle you're going to drive to get there. So your destination is this beautiful island off off the coast of Alaska with all the detail that you gave us. Well, how are we going to get there? Well, we're going to take a Gulfstream G650 or a G5 out there. And, and that's going to be, and so we fly Gulf streams. I mean, that's kind of the, that's what we do. That's how we're going to get there. That encapsulates so much. But if we just say I fly a Gulfstream G5, well, that didn't tell you about the interior of the jet. It doesn't tell you about the motors, the gear set of the jet. It doesn't tell you about the hydraulics. That, that's, you, you don't want that in your mission statement. I've seen mission statements that are a paragraph and two paragraphs long. That It means nothing to anybody because we cannot memorize it. So my rule of thumb for a mission statement is it got to be less than 15 words uh, because it needs to be memorizable. But it also needs to be unique to who you are, which is why we take the keywords from the vision story to help build it. And so a mission statement that is not really interesting for a school would be, we want to transform kids of the next generation. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I hope you would. Who doesn't? Yeah. Every school wants to do that. But why your school, with your unique culture, what do you specifically, uh, what, what defines you? Even if you're an elementary school within the same district of another elementary school, what's unique about your school? Because nobody's going to want to admit to go, yeah, we're just like every other school. You know, just come to our school like every other school. Heck no, there's something unique about your school and you need to be able to find what that is. And so it's so much fun to take uh, unique geographic vernacular 
and to drill down using a thesaurus.com tool or something like that to take those keywords. For instance, I'm working with a law firm. We came up with, and I don't remember it word for word, but I'll give you some key terminology. Their firm, we exist to know our community and help them navigate life's trials. Well, you look at that and go, okay, that's interesting. That's different than, you know, I would have expected a law firm to be, we help people win law cases or something like that. But we know our community and you'd have to dig into their core values to understand why they said that because there's a whole story behind knowing their community. And then we help navigate. Why would they use that term navigate? They're a law firm. Well, they could put, you know, we help litigate or whatever. But the reason they use navigate is because we're surrounded by water where we live. We've got, we've got uh, tidal rivers and creeks that run all around where we're at. And so the idea of navigating a boat through creeks, it fits very well our culture here. People understand that. They get that. Then we help you navigate life's trials. Well, life does have trials. It has challenges. But uniquely in law, because this is a law firm, there's a double meaning there because they sit in trials all day. And so we help you navigate life's trials. So you can see where we've taken a law firm. And instead of just saying, and we help you know clients win law cases, they've, they've taken it and they've adapted it uniquely who, to who they are so that another law firm down the street could have a dynamically different mission statement, which also makes me tell people in the private sector that even though you might be in the same industry, you're not competitors because your mission's different. What, how you're getting to your ultimate destination is very different. So th- does that make sense, Jethro? Yeah, that absolutely does. And that's really easy for me, a middle school, the only middle school on an island in the Gulf of Alaska for that to work and make sense. But what about a school that's like inner city school in, you know, Cleveland or any other big city? It's it's hard for them sometimes having worked in a school like that. I know. So I'm not just saying that sometimes it's hard for them to know what makes them unique. So I really like the idea of going through your vision story taking out keywords and then finding the unique things that you have in your school and then using that to your advantage. And that is, that's hard for us to do. What are some of your advice for finding what's unique about our school? Yeah. So I think that the first bit of advice is to go through and create that vision story. And there's some key questions you can ask. For instance, as the principal of the school, the leader of the school, asking yourself this very powerful question is what do I want my life and my family to look like in five or 10 years? You might be thinking, what in the world does that have to do with school? Well, some of my Nigerian uh, Muslim friends have taught me very, very well that uh, that's something that I could not pick up in a Judeo-Christian context, which is my background and where I come from. We tend to separate life and faith. We say, hey, church is for Sunday, business is Monday through Friday, family fun day is Saturday. Well, my Muslim friends in Nigeria, it's not that way at all. Faith, family, you know, recreation, business, they all intermingle. They all mix. And so being able to ask this question of what do I want my family to look like in five to 10 years directly is going to affect what you ultimately want your school to look like. Because if you're the type of principal that's willing to work seven days a week, well, you're going to define that you're just not going to have a family life. I mean, you've just kind of admitted that, and that's okay if that's what you want, um, but you have, to, you have to know that up front. And so when you can answer that question of what do I want my family to look like in three, five, or 10 years, then you can begin to work backwards, retro-engineer exactly what you want the school to look like. What do you want your students to look like when they're done? In fact, let me ask you this question, a powerful question to ask for your vision story, is what do you want your students to look like 28 years from now when they're 
have come through your program and they've gone through a lot of other programs by that time as well. What do you want them to look like? What do you want your teachers to look like? What do you want the finances of your school to look like? What do you want the facilities to look like? So you begin to walk through those categories and put a date on it. So in each one of those questions, what do you want those things to look like in three years or five years or eight years? And that's, there's no magic to that. Just it's, it's kind of on intuition. What, what intuitively feels right for you? You feel like being in Kodiak for, you know, 40 years. Well, then you can make that a longer tail. But if you feel like, you know, no, I've got about a two to, two to five year play here, then you can start to maneuver your vision down to that. And then once you have that, then that's the point, Jethro, that if you're all by yourself, obviously you can bring other people. I, I would not bring other people into the vision, by the way. I think that's got to be the leader's vision. Um, but the mission, you can start to bring other people in to get their insight and keywords. And I really go back to keywords that you get from your vision story. Pull those keywords out and you can start your mission statement with this. We exist to. By the way, you can start your vision story with these two words. I see dot, dot, dot. So I see the students of our school blank, you know, whatever. I see the administration of our school blank. Well, with your mission statement, you can start that with we exist to. So we exist to blank. And you kind of work that out into something that's really unique. But don't let your first or fifth copy be it. Once, you're, once you've written down five or six different sentences with some of those keywords, then open up uh, thesaurus.com, run some of your keywords through the thesaurus and see if you can drill it down even more. And so, for instance, in your case, if you came up and said, we've got a mission statement that we want to invest knowledge in the lives of children, you know, let's just say that was your mission statement. Okay, well, invest is kind of cliche, maybe in this context. So what if we took invest and put it through the thesaurus? What's a better, maybe richer word that could come out of that? And maybe even something that could have somewhat of a double meaning that, that fits the school context in this case. And so you start to drill that down. And inevitably what happens is when we start to do this process, business owners and leaders will go, oh yeah, that's, that's even a better word than this one. And so for instance, the word invest, if you pull it up on thesaurus, there's another word called endow. Well, I don't know that I'd use that in an elementary or a middle school setting, but maybe at a higher level setting, because that term endowment makes a lot of sense at you know higher level education type setting. So it's really beginning to drill down using some other tools like a thesaurus, simple tools, by the way, it's, it's not magical. It's more about sitting down and doing the work. So vision story first, distill that down and come up with a mission statement. That was a wonderful interview. My favorite part was how you say your mission statement and your vision story. We exist to and I see as your mission and vision. Very powerful with um, Scott Beebe. If you wouldn't mind, take a minute to share this with your friends and let other people know the great things that you're learning on Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can find the website at transformativeprinciple.org. Thank you so much. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. 
But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.